0: Does trading cryptocurrency make you nervous? Do the Bitcoin ups and downs keep you up at night? Are you experiencing headaches and stomach pains? Maybe you should see a doctor. But if you want to hear the calm voice of reason, you've come to the right place. In this episode, we welcome YouTube video maker Carter Thomas to the show. A fan of technical analysis, Carter shares his methodology and mindset for tracking and trading the cryptos all while staying super chill. So relax, take a deep breath, have a slice of bacon. We're frying up episode number 91 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five. Who's bad? The pause that refreshes, Mr. Travis Wright. Are you in a Zen place? You know, I don't know that I've ever been this relaxed before, Mr. Joe. Calm. Buy Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin. Deep thoughts. Hodel. with Jack Handycoin. Huddlecoin. <laughs> <Hodel> <laughs> Welcome to the bad crypto zen podcast where we are super chill and you'll understand why when you hear the reassuring voice of one Carter Thomas today. We had a really great discussion with him. It
1: was an amazing discussion with Carter Thomas. It was it, it, I was blown away.
0: It's great content but he does have this reassuring Uh, voice to him his dulcet tones may be dulceter than mine
1: (laughs) he is super chill and you know he is super knowledgeable he has ramped up pretty sufficiently over these past couple years he's built up a youtube audience of over a hundred thousand subscribers they are big fans of his technical analysis and talking about the cryptos and how to trade the cryptos and um, so we have a pretty solid uh, interview with this guy for sure. I think it was uh, it was definitely one of, the, one of the better interviews we've done.
0: Well, it's one of the better technical analysis videos, sure. especially since our videos, audios, since it's the only time we've talked about technical analysis. And I know people have been waiting on this. Uh, but before we get to it, quick shout out to our show sponsor. Uh, the crypto space is packed. With companies, and some of them we bring to you here, and if you have tried to get support on any of these exchanges or other sites, you know that you might have a hard time getting through to a real person, and our show sponsor, Staff Virtual, knows how to solve that, how to help these companies keep up with customer support. So if you are in the crypto space and want to do some outsourcing, check out StaffVirtual.com and see if they can't help you solve that.
2: Voicemail you have one new message this is greg schwartz from san francisco california you're listening to the bad crypto podcast stay bad
1: thank you greg you stay bad also brother you're so bad greg you're the baddest Mm, the most baddest if you ask me baddest the most baddest that sounds ridiculous um i tell you what we have something that's not ridiculous coming up right here right yeah, it's our interview with Carter
0: Thomas. So let's not uh, dilly dally, Mr. Travis, right? No dillying, no dallying. None of, that.
1: of course not. We don't do any of that. No meandering. No dogs allowed. No dawdling. <laughs> well, then go then.
0: There's lots of great content out there on cryptos, but there's also a lot of crapdo, Travis, right?
1: There's a lot of there's a lot of crypto content, a lot of crypto currencies for sure.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, most of the podcasts that are out there are really good. But if you want to find a cesspool, um, then you can go to YouTube and find all kinds of people making recommendations. They don't know what they're talking about. They're they're still even though it's over, they're still shilling be connect, but there's (laughs) some gems in there as well. And uh, we're fortunate to have one of the hosts of a YouTube channel that has one of those gems of a channel with us today. Actually, um, people on our Facebook, uh, the mastermind group on Facebook started talking about him. And that's how we learned about Mr. Carter Thomas. He is the founder of Coin Mastery. His channel on YouTube, which is YouTube.com forward slash Coin Mastery, has over 107,000 subscribers it's one of the biggest crypto related channels he's got daily content around crypto trading investing psychology and uh, he's he's known for having a calm a calming approach to crypto you know he he lulls you into a sense of dogecoin that gets you all zen and i think you're gonna like this so welcome to bad crypto carter how you doing
2: i'm I'm doing great thanks for having me guys do you hear that calm voice i'm just (laughs)
1: I don't know. His dulcet tones might be better than yours, Mr. Jolcom. It's funny.
2: uh, People have said that. They're like, oh, man, you know, I love listening to your channel, especially when I'm putting my kids to sleep. It's just perfect. And I'm like, is that a compliment or is this? I don't know if that's a good thing or not.
1: You make me sleep with your content, Carter. It's really
0: good. Crypto Meditation with Carter Thomas.
2: I know. I keep joking with my friends about putting out like a meditation series for traders, but. Yeah. Uh who knows.
1: Breathe in and <laughs> <hug>. yeah, <exactly. laughs>
0: Well, we're gl- oh. we're glad you're here. Tell us uh, how you went down this crypto rabbit hole. When when did that happen and uh how did it happen?
2: Sure. I got I bought my first crypto right right around when Coinbase kicked off. And before that, I had been I'd seen it uh you know the whole Mount Gox thing. I've been following it to a certain extent, but I'd never really got into it. Uh and so Coinbase really kicked it off. So you know early 2013 was when i first started getting in and for a long time it was just a hobby where you know i'd buy some and i would just keep up with what was going on and but i never really considered myself a trader or even a crypto investor and in 2016 uh, i started hearing about this new thing ethereum and I, I started getting really interested in it and i was working on a few other companies uh, as an entrepreneur i have a couple of other businesses and I was just kind of looking for something new, and uh, you know, in the fall of 2016, I just decided that, hey, Ethereum looks. This looks really interesting. I'm I'm just going to start buying this up. I'm really just going to dive headfirst into it. Fast forward to 2017, I I was, you know, more invested at this point, and the prices started increasing. And at that point, I wanted to learn more about it, but I, you know, there's only so much I can read about the technical. Uh, the community around crypto is still relatively small, and I'm really fascinated with macro and how, like, the social movement of, of, crypto, of cryptocurrency and what Bitcoin and Ethereum could represent, what it could do as a social tool. But no one was talking about that, and so I, you know, I just decided that hey, if no one's talking about it, maybe I should just like document my journey, trying to figure this out, trying to, uh, you know, just make sense of what's going on. And uh, that's how it all started, or at least the content side of it. And through that process, I learned about trading and I've met a lot of really incredible people and uh, learned so much. And it, it's also just been a, a terrific experience on all fronts.
1: You know, that the, the brings a really interesting point, because I think that's kind of how, you know, Joel and I, when we started doing our show, we're like, you know what, let's let's sort of map out our journey into this whole crypto thing, because we're having lots of conversations about it. It's really fun and interesting. What's once you get bit by the crypto bug, right, you're going like, wow. And then you start thinking about it. It seems like all the time, it bit right? It the arse, Mr. Travis, right? It did. And and there was no, there's no bug spray for this kind of bug. Um, so I, I, I'm curious, you know, so let's talk a little bit about some of the social good stuff that you think crypto and, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum can do. Because I think that we're, a lot of folks in the crypto space seem to really be about wanting to make the world a little bit of a better place, right? We we realized that with that whole 2008-2009 crash that there's a whole lot of greedy people who are in charge of our financial system. Let's make the world a better place. And let's maybe get your opinion on on how do you think crypto can, uh, can impact the world?
2: Sure. I think that it's, it's a huge demographic tool. And I, I don't think it's any coincidence that it, it started right around... Uh, when the financial crisis happened, and I, I think that there's, I think the transparency is just a a trend that technology has really uncovered. No pun intended over the last twenty or thirty years, and I don't see that changing. And I think that when you look at our our economy, and specifically when you look at things like inequality, which I would consider inequality to be one of the biggest economic and financial threats to the global economy, just the way that money is dispersed among people, a lot of that can be linked to uh, transparency. And the, the markets and the, the amount of money that is locked up because of a lack of transparency, that's always just... On a personal level, it's always bothered me. But as, a, as an, like a, I guess a pseudo-economist, uh, it just isn't very efficient it just seems like in like a system that's not really working to help as many people as it possibly can and so the more that we can we can work towards something like that i believe that it it'll really help uh facilitate a more even playing field for new uh po- you know potentially new political systems to emerge new ideologies to emerge but just new ways of thinking new ways of transacting and that just gets me really excited. It's, I think it's just a, a long time coming, and something that that the world's ready for.
1: Can I get an amen? Mr. Amen. Can I get an hallelujah? hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Of course, one of the you know the problems there is the powers that be, and they are powerful. The governments of the world and the financial institutions, you know, uh, are very resistant in many respects to this kind of change. And you know, are are you fearful, Carter, that even in the free world? That they're gonna squash crypto before it really has a chance to uh, to blossom as you know the the dream uh, intends for it to, or do you think it's gonna persist in spite of it?
2: I think that I think that we you know we live in a in a world that is driven by po- power, money. I mean, you you go down the list, whatever it's called, It sounds like the- a movie
0: trailer. In a <laughs> yeah. world
2: that's driven by power and money, that's right, featuring Steven Seagal. It's I think it's like one of those things where it's it's almost it's not even cavalier. It's just kind of irresponsible to think that it's it's just going to bypass everybody who's in the establishment already. And I think that that's why one of the best things that crypto can do in the short term is to provide profitable solutions for some of the pe- businesses and the people in power to make their companies even more efficient. Now that may result in restructuring or whatever else it may be, but it it gets blockchain, it gets distributed ledgers into the system. And I think that's the first big piece. And once it starts to get in, that's when you start to see the transparency come through. Because I don't think necessarily that the whole... It's like certain people... Are going to you know lose all their money, lose all their jobs, and then the money is going to shift over to people who bought Bitcoin in 2011. I, I don't see that happening by any means, but I do see that you know the the cracks start to be exposed. The ability to move money and not be able to prove where it came from, that sort of thing is going to start to go away, which is kind of counterintuitive to the narrative around crypto. So I actually think that it's going to be more of like a a morphing of the of the current system as opposed to a destruction of the current system uh, you know I, that 's really what it comes down to is how do we work with the existing system, show them a better solution, and then let the let the technology do the work um, as opposed to trying to fight people. I think that it 's more of a uh yeah like a a replacement an improvement upon what what already is
1: Mm -hmm. and if we can start collaborating and working together a little cooperation you know what maybe we can make the world a better place together so that's that's great you know i want to ask you this so you've you know you you mentioned that you know you really started getting involved when ethereum started rolling out so you've been in the game now you know going on three years plus probably this past dip (laughs) that we had going after you know like that the the january right you know right near the end of december and january beginning of January, just took off and here we are everybody was like woohoo and then all of a sudden you know bitcoin goes from 20 grand down to six grand and you know you know for somebody who's calm cool and collected like you you know how do you how do you view these uh these dips when they come like this
2: yeah i think that the first thing that I think is really important for most people, or for everyone, myself included, to constantly remember, is that nobody has any idea what a a real price of any crypto is. You know, all the, all these valuations are really can be defined in any which way. In other all words, the
0: same price, Carter Moon.
2: <laughs> it's all no, it's just, <laughs> just Lambo. That's at the end of the at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and I think that I I kind of have the assumption that pretty much everything is inherently overpriced. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the assumption I go in with. And so when you, when you remove that idea that Bitcoin, for example, is worth $19,000, and instead you look at it and say, look, this is all overpriced. What can I look at? What do I know is true? Well, fundamentals of, of you know, manias, fundamentals of chart structures, those are all true. And those are all very pertinent to what we're looking at. And so when you look at something going parabolic, even if it's going to change the world, even if it is the most disruptive technology in history, you can't defy the laws of dopamine, which is you know, the, the kind of manifestation of what these charts really represent. And so when I saw it come down or as I see it do its thing, it's just a natural progression. It just kind of needs to happen for the, the market to expand. Like That's just what markets do. And so I think taking the the dream out of crypto, which is a very unsexy idea, but I think it's the only way to to really look at it and just say this is just what's happening. You know, it was, a, it was an incredibly fast run up. This was this this had to happen uh, in order for it to be a healthy chart, for it to help be a healthy market, so to speak, and for the money to redistribute properly as markets do.
0: Don't take my dreams, Carter Thomas. Don't be. Stealing- <laughs> Dreams. I'm, tr- I'm trying. Ah, freaking dreams! I know.
2: I got a huge. I got a big uh, garbage bag uh, full of everyone's dreams over here. It's great. Dream thief. Yeah, that's right. I also think that there's, you know, more on a, uh, on a conspiracy theory level. I think that there's just a lot going on of people manipulating the market, and I think it goes beyond people that are just trying to profit. I think that there's people that are truly trying to. Move it up and down, have the money and the resources to move it up and down, because they see crypto specifically Bitcoin as a brand, they see it all as a threat to an established system and i th- I think that as that price went out of control and as it was fueled up that it really set the you know it set the uh the conversation so that they could call it a bubble. it could be considered like this is so ridiculous. And they could put put some short pressure on the market in order to, cre- you know, get their hands around it to get control over what was going on. Because if it kept going beyond the chart side of it, it would just be, it would just get out of control. It would just become a a full blown mania, and who knows when it could stop? Because there's no valuation you could put on.
1: Now, you think that had something to do with the futures? Because it was interesting because it seemed to be going parabolic. And then all of a sudden, once futures came in and now Wall Street big money seems to be implementing and integrating into the system that the price, you know, the the market got really wonky right after they started opening up uh, the, the futures. So you think that was just sort of a coincidence or you think that's just sort of a that's just the nature of the game that we're in now?
2: I don't think it was a coincidence at all. I, I actually think that the futures market did play a part in it. But I think it's also a really good story that can put the front on something on front of something much bigger. And I don't know exactly what that is. But I do know that from talking to plenty of people in the financial world, whether it be hedge funds or private equity or anything, one of the biggest reasons why banks are not in beyond the custodial and the risk and the volatility, beyond all that stuff, is that it they don't know who owns... Uh, you know, 60 or 70% of the supply of many of these coins. They look at the, the the rich lists and they're thinking to themselves, how could we possibly invest in something when an anonymous source owns this much? And so there was a lot of, a lot of people that were trying to get their hands on, uh, let's say Bitcoin, and they needed a way, they needed a really good narrative to drive the price down or up. Futures really serve that. And I think you can you can back that up however you want, but I, I do know that there's a lot of people that wanted to get their hands on Bitcoin. And, you know, you, you can just do the math in the futures. It just doesn't add up compared to how much money exchange hands in the actual market. Mm-hmm.
0: Now you're, you're one of those guys that does this mysterious thing we call TA, technical analysis. And, you know, you look at the charts and, and from there, you kind of come to conclusions about good times to buy or sell. Uh, talk a little, teach us a little bit about TA and how you go about it, what you look at, and kind of like a a TA 101 for
2: people. Sure. I think that technical analysis, I I definitely consider myself a student of it, and I'm always trying to get better. And one thing that I, I have learned over the last year, year and a half or so of looking at charts and studying charts and learning about it is that it's very easy to make things very complicated, and it's very hard to make things very simple. And in technical analysis, I think that that's no different. And meaning many times we'll see charts that have, you know, d- descending triangles. They've got the clouds. They've got the supporters. They've got the Fibonacci. They've got have all these different indicators plastered all over the chart. When in reality, it, it may just be one line that you need to know or one line that you need to look at. And so one thing I try to do is focus on one or two really core principles I, I look at retracements a lot and I look at previous support levels or previous resistance levels as they relate to to current price levels uh, in order to to see where things may change and I find that that's i mean anytime I have traded the charts just purely the charts, no fundamental or macro analysis that's worked out really well and if it doesn't fit into that box then you know, I, I go and look at a different chart and f- I find a chart that I can apply those simple rules to that is very obvious to me. And then it, it makes a lot of sense because I think the more, the more you put onto a chart, just the more variables, like the more factors involved, the harder it is to really come to a, a really good conclusion. And that's just been my experience so far. Right on. What, what, well, let
1: me ask you this then about, you know, how did you, you know, Begin to learn the process of technical analysis. Is this something is from your background, or did you did you learn this all since you started uh, into the crypto space? And I noticed your last episode, uh, episode one forty nine of your show, uh, you were talking about psychological mistakes that that traders make. So maybe if you want to touch base on some of that,
2: yeah, totally. Uh, it has been something I just picked up uh, for the last couple last year or so. I think that one is, you know, you just go. I, I'm the kind of person where I don't really do well by reading a book and trying to learn. So, I would go on tradingview.com. It's a free site and you can see all these people that just post their own technical ideas around a particular coin. So, let's say you're looking at Bitcoin. There'll be 50 uh charts that have been drawn up by different traders and they'll explain how they did it. And so what I what I I still do this. I go there and I see what they did. I, I read through their logic, and then if I don't understand something, I'll go to you know I'll Google it or I'll try to figure it out myself, and then I'll try to recreate it on my own charts and see if I can get something that looks similar. And I just I've done that over and over, and then also sought out traders uh, at events online and just ask them questions. Hey, how can it, you know? What are the things you look at most? What are the what are the things that most people mess up on and try to get their perspective. Um, especially some of the people who are, you know, in their 50s, 60s and 70s, who have been doing this for a long time because they tend to have the like the really good fundamentals. They're not hung up on all the, you know, the five minute charts and the million things going on. They're like, here's a line, follow this line. That's really what matters. Uh and so that's that's been my process. I think Trading View is is an amazing resource especially for somebody who who likes to learn that way. Uh, and then when I talked about with the mistakes that uh, often make, and this is something that I found myself making, and I see this happening a fair amount, is technical analysis can often become a self-serving exercise and not a profitable one. Meaning you can get so hung up on getting the technical analysis correct, you forget that the only reason you're doing it, or hopefully the only reason you're doing it, is to make money or, or to make, make a, a highly probable bet on a direction of a price movement. And sometimes you're like, oh man, I just nailed that level perfect, but you don't actually put your, the money on the line to capitalize on it. And I think in crypto, as 2018 begins and as it, as it extends, we're going to see an ongoing. Competitive. It's going to get more and more competitive, and one of the ways, the tools that people will use to get more competitive will be to hone their technical analysis skills. And I, I see this already happening: is that people are they just want to be right more than they want to actually like use it to make money. Like they're not putting all their money in the same way they would in two thousand seventeen when they read a report or somebody told them a tip. They would go like, "Oh yeah, great! I am going to go, you know, put my money on this or whatever." And I think that maintaining that same level of offense is really important as long as you have conviction, as long as you have the confidence that comes from you know, doing your research and also from technical analysis. Well,
0: let's get down and dirty with it then for a moment, um, just so that this uh, is going to be a little dated because most of what we're talking about here is evergreen, but we're actually recording this on the 21st of February, and this episode airs on the 27th. So things could change between now and then. But today, we've seen a big drop in Bitcoin and the altcoins. Bitcoin, you know, everything was starting to recover. Uh, market cap was about $520 billion, and then uh, we saw Bitcoin almost get to 12000 and right now it's sitting at about 10.5. The altcoins are taking up pounding. Most are, you know, down over the last 24 hours, uh, at least 10%, some of them 20%. And market caps around 453 billion at the moment. Of course, by the time you guys hear this, it could be, you know, it could be worth zero or we could be back to 600 billion. You don't know. But what is, uh, let's just focus on Bitcoin in particular. What is the technical analysis that you're seeing showing for the near term and then going, to, uh, if you do project to the end of the year, um, you know, what, where do you see it heading this year?
2: I think right now it's a pretty healthy profit taking area, right? We, we went down to around 6,000 uh, earlier, you know, whatever, I guess two weeks, a couple weeks ago. And it's been basically a straight run up, a hundred percent almost increase in price without any real pullbacks, any any significant pullback. So I think that what we're seeing now is is pretty healthy. And I think that it, it's gonna follow relatively straightforward support and resistance levels, which line up pretty well to retracement levels. And if you look at if you if you look at the actual chart itself, that will that translates into a pullback of you know right you're right around 10300 which is where we are like as we speak that then the next level will be down to let's say 949500 9, and then down to 8800 level and then below that you're getting below the the 50% retracement level and that's when it starts to get into you know kind of unknown you got to you got to step back and look at the bigger picture type of territory because you're out of the a healthy pullback phase and into a a much bigger pullback phase, so the way i 'm looking at this is I always try to set my bids at the lowest possible level uh without having to stop myself out, meaning I try to go right around the fifty percent retracement and then put a relatively tight stop loss on it, but try not to get that uh, that stop loss kicked out because the price keeps dropping or or bounces down too quickly. Uh, like it often does, so I think that that's what that's what we're looking at. Maybe down to right around nine thousand, eight thousand eight hundred. At least that's what I'm that's what I'm looking at. Because I think if it goes down much below that, uh, we, we're kind of in a, in a new a new area where we got to start doing some new some new analysis. Now, once that happens, uh, assuming it does, I mean, it could easily just bounce off of this. Could be a, a quick hiccup in the road, and we go from there. But once this all happens, once this profit is all taken, I think that we are in for some serious bull run. I think that obviously this all is barring no major extenuating circumstance, you know, some sort of huge regulatory issue or some major catastrophic event. Like we don't really know what would happen if the whole market whole, you know, stock market or equities market went way down. We don't know how that would affect crypto yet. We've never had that happen. So barring none of that goes really bad, I think that we could see Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin just take off, like really big takeoff as all these new institutions come in, as new OTC deals start to come in. Uh, just a lot of money start to flow in very, very quickly uh, now that there's there's this kind of new established asset class that has some. Uh, it's been stress tested enough where it's you can't afford not to be in it.
0: So you're talking all time highs taking off. Is that what you're referring to?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that I think that we could definitely see forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars for Bitcoin by the end of the year, or even sooner than that. Uh, I think you could see a thousand dollar Litecoin pretty easily, and two or three thousand dollar Ethereum, and it's. That and that's not even getting into the altcoins. I think that there's a lot more with altcoins. There's just so much money that wants to get into cryptocurrency, but is still so apprehensive about the, the dozens and dozens of reasons why they think it may, you know, it could potentially fall apart. And those are, you know, in, in many ways, it's valid. But I think the 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 domino is starting to fall where. You can't afford not to be in it anymore, and that's the big de- that's the big deal. Where once that happens, then the price starts to go up. And then it really starts to compound on itself. And this is still all a rounding error for most professional investors. I mean, that includes banks and private equity. Also includes family offices and individual investors. But once it starts to ramp, it's gonna go. It's gonna ramp big because it's it's just such a small concentrated asset class. Uh, so far
1: yeah it's it's such an interesting space i mean one of the things that i've you know when when we're looking at all this there's so many different coins there's so many different opportunities in the space sometimes coins will certain coins will go up without any sort of rhyme or reason and there's a lot of you know pumping and dumping that seems to be going on in the space and i mean you know and then then we have coins like tether i mean when's tether going to the moon it's been a dollar forever
2: (laughs) i know man i've been margin trading like crazy (laughs) (laughs)
1: Come on, when's that going to go Lambo moon? I'm still waiting. Um, I'm actually curious, you know, what are some of the, I know that, you know, from, from watching your show and paying attention, I know you've talked to uh, you know, recently, you talked about polymath and you've talked about, you talked recently, talked about the telegram ICO and some other stuff that's going on, but maybe what are some, what are some, some, um, some altcoins that, uh, that you think are interesting and maybe some blockchain infrastructure platforms that, that you find are, are, are most fascinating in your perspective. Yeah. And
0: we'd really appreciate it if you'd pick the ones that we're already holding.
1: <laughs> yeah. That would
2: be, be really helpful. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, I think that I'm really fast. I'm really interested in. Uh, I, I'll let me, let me say this. I am much more concentrated than I was in 2017 in what I think is going to work out really well in 2018. And I think that my thesis now is less about uh, the kind of revolutionary spirit, and now it's more about profitability and, and solving real business cases. And I think that. The coins I'm looking at are ones that solve problems that financial institutions currently have and know that they need to implement. Now, specifically cross-border payments, I think is a huge deal. Any sort of settlement layer with that, I think, you know, the whole Swift bank, the the way that Swift works is kind of integrated into that with Hyperledger and all that. Uh that's the whole industry. And you look into coins that are doing stuff with this, right? Like you got. Um, Stella Lumens is one of those coins. I think that companies like Chainlink and different sort of oracles are really interesting in that sense. I also think that coins like uh, Omise Go, OMG, is super interesting in that they have such good tech and such a good team, but they're also really under the radar and they're working in the financial world. Uh, that gets That looks really exciting to me. And so a lot of what I'm focusing my time on is talking to the the people that have a lot of money which is you know banks and people their institutions I should say who know that they need this technology and that'll more importantly they would implement it so that they can make an unbelievable amount of money on, on both sides right because if they can integrate something like let's say stellar into their banks and they can hold stellar assuming there's no you know securities implications of of that now they control both the, the supply and the demand side. That solves a huge problem for them from, from a balance sheet standpoint, but it also solves a big problem on a PL and l standpoint because it can help make them more profitable. I think that is a very, very important trend of going into the financial services and financial sector and incorporating blockchain in a way that makes companies more profitable as opposed to what 2017 was really all about is how we're going to build all these new blockchains, and we're going to create this whole new world that never existed before. It's like the internet all over again. I'm much more bullish on the idea of upgrading the the current system to blockchain. I think that that is a very, very uh, profitable endeavor. And then I think the other bucket is just protocols. Because when you get beyond protocols... It, it, you you start to compound your risk, and you know Jeremy Gardner had a really good talk. I was at a conference in San Francisco, and he talked about how utility tokens are really hard to invest in because if the protocol fails, then the utility token also fails, and so you're you're really double layering yourself on what the risk is. And when you talk to a lot of these guys, many of the people who built. The original Ethereum blockchains and some of the, you know, many on the Bitcoin blockchain, nobody knows what's going to win. If I mean, it's not, it's not going to be one winner, but people are still like, the jury is still out on what's going to be the preeminent uh, building platform for, for blockchain or whether it even is going to be blockchain. We don't even know. And... I think that is still a very big question mark. And so I think
0: it's kind of like the search engines, isn't it? Back, you know, in the early days of the web, we had InfoSeek, Lycos, Dogpile, AltaVista, Excite, Yahoo, AOL, and and turned out none of them was the winner. Google came along and and stomped them all so is is that do you see that as possible in the crypto space that some new technology uh, you know will come out and kind of do a vHS to Betamax you know beating and uh, everything changes
2: I think that that's absolutely possible, and I think that the big promise of crypto or I should say of blockchain in general is there there's two ends of the spectrum: one is speed. And one is decentralization. And currently, none of the current solutions do this really well. Now we're adding things like Lightning Network and Plasma to... Uh, Lightning to Bitcoin, Plasma to Ethereum. You've got things like EOS and Hashgraph. You know, everyone's trying to solve those two problems at, at once, but nobody's figuring it out yet. And somebody will come along and develop an incredibly fast, unbelievably secure technology, decentralized ledger technology, and distributed ledger technology, I should say. And that could easily become the, the premier or the preeminent platform protocol for everything. But right now, we're, we're just trying to... We're, we're, we're bolting on solutions onto these protocols to make them work. But uh, as it stands, none of them were really built with those two goals in mind because they're, they're very you know opposite in that way.
0: You really do have a chill, calming approach to this, and you know my my approach to crypto is that eh, crypto go up, crypto go down. Uh, I'm in this for the long haul, and uh, I'm a blockchain believer. And so, uh, you know, I know how I handle this emotionally, but I see so many people just get bent out of shape when you know they get on this emotional you know roller coaster as it goes up and it's going to the moon and then it comes down and they start panicking oh where's it what's happening what's wrong where's my money going i just lost half my portfolio (laughs) what what are some tips that you would give to people to to detach emotionally and be able to handle this ride either as a trader or as a uh, hodler
2: sure i I mean i think it's I think that is the biggest, the, it's the biggest piece of crypto, of, of anything really that, that doesn't get enough attention in my opinion. And I think that there's a few ways to to really answer that. I think the first and most tangible is position sizing. I think that many people are simply putting too much money into cryptocurrency. And I mean, I want, I want crypto to be worth, I want it to go to $100 trillion, trust me. And so I want people to be putting their money in, but if you are have too much money that you cannot afford to lose riding on very risky volatile assets, it's going... Especially if this, if you're new to investing, it's going to mess with your head. I don't care how strong or anything you are, it's going to, to do that. So I think that's the first thing is be honest about how much... What percentage you're, you're actually putting in. I think the other... Big piece is more of a complex issue, which is why, like, what what does it mean to you? Like, what does it mean to the person if if this thing did go to the moon, right? If they put in, let's say, ten thousand dollars, which say it's a huge amount of money for somebody, and they dream about it going to a hundred thousand, like, what what in their regular life is stopping them from it from having what that hundred thousand will give them already? I know that there's things like paying your bills. I, I understand the. The, the day-to-day things that need to be done. But I think that it's almost an escapism for a lot of people, at least in my experience from talking to a lot of people and that this is like their shot at a new life or a different life or something better or bigger. And I love that. I think that that's an amazing, it is an mm. opportunity, but I think that a lot of that stuff could be accomplished in life already. It's just harder to do without Waking up and seeing something go up forty percent, and you know half your problems are solved. And you know, I, I would never, ever impart my own judgment on anybody. And I think that everybody can make their own decisions. But I do think that that's a tough conversation to have with yourself. And I think that mm. many people, you know, they just they they haven't had that yet. And crypto really exposes everything.
1: That's so true. As Eminem said, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to moon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, That's it because it's it's so true. Uh, you know what? So, so I guess you know, as we're wrapping this up here, we've had an amazing conversation. For one, I'm really really pleased that you would come on to the show and chat with us. What is uh, maybe what are some things, some final parting words that you might give to somebody who's just getting into crypto or they're just trying to learn about technical analysis? I know you, I know you mentioned you know Trader uh, Trading View, that is a great resource. Is there any other? you know, resources or any other thoughts or final parting words of wisdom for our fine citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia? Yeah, or a book that you would recommend.
2: Yeah, I think that the first thing I would recommend for people to do is, like, ease yourself into the crypto market. Let's say you have $1,000 that you want, that you have and you want to put into crypto. Spent, invest $100 at a time and make sure that you put, like, a week between each time you... Uh, you put in that $100. And one, it's, it's a dollar cost averaging is a great way to get started, but it's also a really good way to get used to these ups and downs. Because if you go in with $1,000 on day one, the, your first experience in crypto, if it's positive or negative, is going to have a huge impact on how you view the rest of your decisions for, for really for the rest of your investing career. And it, you don't want to underestimate that. So I think just ease into it, take time to learn, and to just watch it all happen, be a little bit more conservative. And then the opportunities will come. There's it
0: always going down. to be- Crypto sucks. I hate that. <laughs>
2: I mean, I can't tell you, man, people, they just get involved and they go all in. And within 48 hours, something happens and it, it like ruins their their psychology for months it's a ponzi and scheme it, yeah, like, like i'm it's done scammy
1: guys this is all yeah. Yeah. damn you Joel and travis bad
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh i think that um so i think that's that's really good i think a really good book if anyone's interested in trading is a book called market wizards which was recommended to me by a few friends and it's Really, uh, it's a it's a host of interviews. Uh, I think it's twelve interviews where they interview the top twelve traders in the eighties uh, across all different markets. So there's commodities traders, equities traders, everything, you know, currency traders. And you learn a lot about trading styles and what people do and the mindset, and also just how people make decisions. And I think that that's a really good way because I think if you start with the psychology the price and the volume and that'll that all works itself out. But the psychology, it, it, that's the kind of thing that if you can start off on the right foot, uh, you're really going to accelerate your progress.
0: Carter Thomas is his name. Coin Mastery is his game. The website for his YouTube channel, which you guys should go and subscribe to right now is youtube.com forward slash coin mastery. Anywhere else in the socials that you like people to connect with you, Carter?
2: Yeah, uh, you can go on Twitter, Twitter uh, forward slash Carter Thomas on Twitter. And then, yeah, if you just go to CoinMastery.com, you can always uh, join the newsletter list. And there's like on the sidebar, and I have like a free email series, a couple of PDFs, stuff like that for people if they just want to dip their toe in, it's kind of good intro level content.
0: Dipping your toe in the crypto. Thanks a lot, Carter. We appreciate it.
2: It's great to be here, guys.
0: I learned so much from Carter is a good guy and guess what else travis he has now joined the ranks of the republic of bad cryptopia and is in the bad crypto mastermind group
1: oh my gosh he is did we scare him away yet
0: no he's he's there and so if you guys want to say hi to him or ask him any questions i know he's super busy he makes videos on his channel five days a week i think maybe even more uh but so there's a lot of content on his youtube channel make sure you guys go and subscribe to that at youtube.com forward slash point mm-hmm. master
1: especially if you want to learn about trading now we're also going to have another interview uh in a future episode uh with another trader uh tone vase has agreed to come on the show and he I, tone lokes coming on the show yeah tone lokes coming on the show yep is he gonna make us some funky cold medina no funky crypto medina <laughs> <laughs> that would be home. funny that would be a funny song to parody
0: that would be funny. Well, in a, speaking of subscribing, if you guys haven't subscribed to the Bad Crypto Podcast yet, what are you waiting for? Click the button that says subscribe so you don't miss a single, chewy, delicious episode of the show.
1: Mom, this guy hasn't subscribed to our podcast yet, and, and this one over here hasn't left a review.
0: Seriously, there's no excuse. You guys are citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, and as good citizens then you should subscribe to bad podcasts
1: (laughs) that's true and as always you should stay bad